always encouraging to, you know, to hear over and over on the Lord's Day what Christ has done for us. And we're right, we sit here and we stand here because of what Christ has done. It's in Christ and Christ alone we're here on this Lord's Day. And so, if you have a copy of God's Word, join me in Romans 8. And we're going to be looking at um, verse 14 this morning. Um, last week we covered Romans uh, 8, verse 13. Today we're going to cover verse 14. And if you're new here, um, we believe in expositional preaching. And what, I, what we mean by that is that um, we believe in bringing out the right, proper context and what the Lord intent for the text to be able to be revealed to his people. And so um, the way to do it is we already learned, we learned when we were young, always understand, understand things in the right, proper context. And so we're just walking through the book of Romans verse by verse and seeing what the Lord has to share with us in these various verses and here in Romans. So Romans chapter 8, looking at verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Again, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Let me pray for us and ask the Lord to help us with this verse here this morning. Our Father God is in heaven, Lord. We thank you, Lord, again for allowing us to be back here together, Lord, uh, with your people. There's no better place to be than being in the house of the Lord. And Lord, we get to be here with our brothers and sisters this morning. We thank you for this great gift, Lord, we get this morning, Lord, to be able to be in the word today. So Lord, we ask you to go before us at this time. As I preach your word, Lord, let me preach your word faithfully. That if it's not, Lord, in your text, if it's not of you, Lord, remove it from me. But Lord, let me do well in your text, Lord, this morning, Lord. And let your people, Lord, be attentive to your word. Let your people, Lord, respond, Lord, to your word, Lord, in repentance and respond in joy and grace that they have met with their God. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to go before us right now. I am weak. I am, I am nervous. I am everything this morning. I need your strength. I need your help. So help me preach your word faithfully, Lord. Not attention be drawn to me, but, Lord, all the glory be brought to you. So, Lord, let your name be praised. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to read a couple of descriptions here, and I want you all to kind of think about who am I describing at this time? This person is the head of the state and the head of the government of the United States. They're called a commander-in-chief of the armed forces. When I read the description, the first part you thought about is the president. the president of the United States. What about this? This person advised clients on financial matters, preparing and filing tax documents and creating financial reports. Who is that person? CPA. Alright, CPA. What about this person? They provide for activity daily living by assisting with serving meals, feeding patients as necessary, ambulating, turning, positioning patients, and providing fresh water and nourishment. <laughs> the last one I want to describe here, 
They provide students with support and guidance on how to deal with problems and meditate and improve the relationship between students and parents and teachers. What kind of counselor? A school counselor. So you all was able to identify by the description that I gave on who these people are. Well, Paul does the same thing in the Christian life. Paul gives a description of what does it mean to truly be in Christ? What does it truly mean for those that have responded to the gospel, for those that have submitted to the gospel? We have learned from Romans 1 to 2 and 3 how God has used the gospel to show his manifold wisdom. He has used the gospel for unbelievers to know they're in sin and know that they need a savior. He also has used the gospel to teach the Christian of their assurance in Christ. For them professing Christ, Christ would never leave them or forsake them. But not only that, we have learned even last week about how God even uses the gospel for our sanctification in the Christian life. And it tells us in Romans 8 verse 1, there's no, no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Who don't get condemnation? For those that are in Jesus. For those that put their faith in Christ, they would not be condemned. That's the description of the believer. They would not be condemned. And he continually goes out through this Roman 8, just reminding that a believer is the one that is, that, that is debtors to Christ. They're not debtors to the flesh. He's describing the nature of the believer. How does this help? It helps. When a person who will remind them who they are, it helps them to understand their identity. I've seen many times uh, the basketball player Steph Curry, or you can say Creston Thomas or Steph Curry, that's the same, right? Oh, we able to see that Steph will go home and have great games, and he might have a bad game. And you have Steve Curry come up to him and encourage them is that, hey, you're the three-pointer champion. You have national championships. He do that to remind him of who he is. You have done this in the past. This bad game right here doesn't, uh, doesn't really make who you are. And the same thing in the Christian life is that even though the flesh is still here, right? We don't have our new flesh yet. The old flesh is still here. But now we are in Christ. We have a new identity. So our old flesh doesn't really define who we truly are now for those that are in Jesus. So Paul, today, continue with this. He like believers. Believers, don't forget who you are. And how are you going to do it today? We're going to do it today in two points today. Believers are led by the Spirit in verse 14a. And a part of 14b, believers are sons of God. If I can title this message today, I would say, Spirit and Sons of God. Jump to point number one here. Believers are led by the Spirit. For all who are led by the Spirit of God. Again, Paul is laying out the life of those that would not be condemned. Some were more like most likely shocked to hear that a person can be a Christian and still struggle. 
Paul even shared about himself. You remember in Romans 7. So I find, in verse 21, so I find it to be the law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God and my inner being. For but I see my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of the sin that dwells in my members. Believers struggle every day with the sin that creeps in their life daily. Some even get so discouraged and start questioning their justification. If Christ truly saved me, why haven't he gotten rid? Why haven't he taken this away from me? It can be anxiety. It can be lust. It can be anger. So many Christians might ask that question that if I'm truly justified in Christ, why do these things continue knocking at the door? Well, Paul, he can relate to this. Paul talks about even in his life, the struggle of sin daily. But Paul don't want them to get off the edge, get off the hook here. He wants them to understand that their salvation is not upon, not about their, based upon their own works. Their salvation is based upon the work of another, which is Christ. So your shortcomings would never separate us from God because what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, it is finished. It's secure. What Christ has done. So just imagine some Jews or even some Christians hearing this. So you telling me that Christians can live any type of way and Christ has forgiven them for their sins and they can live any type of way? So some Jewish people or uh, Christians might have been looking up like, this doesn't, or professing Christians can look up, this doesn't sound right. A person can live by any way, but they are also going to be a Christ Christian forever. How does this make sense? I can hear Paul saying here, slow your horses. Slow your horses. Here in Romans 8. Evidence of a true believer is that they are fighting the flesh. They aren't enjoying their sins. They know the flesh is seeking things in this world, but the spirit seeks the things of the Lord. So Paul, even here in Romans 7, describes, even though a Christian may struggle with sin, they don't enjoy it. They don't enjoy the sin. They know the flesh is weak, but they don't enjoy it. And when they fall into that sin, they are so repentant. They're turning to Christ every single day in the midst of their failures. So for a person that is truly professing Christ, they're turning to Christ daily when they fall short. And they're turning to the Spirit and things, looking for the Spirit to guide them. So those that are believers, life is different for those that aren't believers. Believers are putting away the things of the flesh and submitting to the things of God. Unbelievers are enjoying the things of the flesh and not putting away the thing that God despises. Well, today's test helps us assure that God is sanctifying us because in verse 14 it said, for all who are led by the Spirit of God. We will talk about those that are led by the Spirit of God or that are sons of God here shortly. 
But first, let us just focus on those that are those that are led, a believer that are led by the Holy Spirit of God. Of God here, it actually describes what the Spirit is at focus on here. It is the Spirit in relating to the Godhead. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They all are one but three persons. The Son is not the Father, and the Father is not the Son, and the Spirit is not the Son or the Father. There are three unique persons of this Godhead. They're working together for the glory of God. One person says this in relating to John's Gospel about the roles of the Father and the Son. The emphasis on the Father as the one who sent Jesus who witnesses to him, portrays him as the author, authorizer and authenticator of Jesus. Emphatically, it is Jesus himself who refers to God as the Father and is close to 20 instances even as his Father. The Father is Jesus' natural, almost unselfishness, unselfconsciously way of referring to God. So this person described the Trinity here that the Father, the Son, are different, but they make up the one God. This is not modalism. Modalism trying to describe like an egg, right? One minute an egg, right? You can boil an egg, and you can you can you can make sunny side up eggs out of them. The egg can change different modes, right? But it's still that same egg. That's different within the Trinity. submits to the Father. They're working together within this Godhead here. So the Holy Spirit is truly God. One person goes on and says this about the Gospel of John presents the relationship between the Father and the Son and the Spirit with a view towards their role in salvation history. Even in the salvation, how the fall, there's this, this, this covenant of redemption from eternity past, right? And we see the Son that comes in as the Redeemer who had put on the cross for us. We see the spirit that comes in, right, and brings us to the Son. Even through redemptive history, we see the spirit, the, the triune God working in the salvation of the people. And so by these three persons being one God, they are all perfect, perfect. They are great, but they are different roles. So like a family, a husband and a wife. A husband is not more important than a wife, or a wife is not more important than a husband. They have different roles. God has created them in a way that they both can have different roles. Different doesn't mean deficient at any means. With that being said, back to our text. The Holy Spirit here is in verse 14. The Holy Spirit is the one that's leading the believer. The Holy Spirit is perfect and it is God. So whatever the Holy Spirit is leading us to do, it's going to reflect the holy nature of God. So the Holy Spirit is leading us, the Holy Spirit is going to reflect the image of the Trinity. So the Holy Spirit is not going to get us to dishonor the triune God, nor the Father, nor the Son. The Holy Spirit is going to point us to worship God with our entire being. So we haven't cherished the Holy Spirit enough. One person says this, 
not at all too strong with the language of Samuel Chadwick when he says this. The gift of the Spirit is the crowning mercy of God in Christ Jesus. It was for this all the rest was. The incarnation and crucifixion, the resurrection and ascension were all preparatory to Pentecost. Without the gift of the Holy Spirit, all the rest will be useless. The great thing in Christianity is the gift of the Spirit. The essential and the vital central element in the life of the soul and the work of the church is the person of the Holy Spirit. We don't have a Holy Spirit. We don't have a church. We don't have the Holy Spirit. We don't have believers. So Jesus, one of the best gifts for us is giving us his Spirit. The exalted God come to us. The Spirit, right, from eternity past, come to us, and he lives in us. It is better than any gift that we can ever attain. That's why heaven would be so amazing. We would be before our God forever, not because of seeing friends and family. The best part of heaven is that we're going to see God for eternity. But also consider the working of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 2.10, the Spirit searches all things. The Spirit doesn't work off emotions. It searches for truth and it guides us to the truth. Not only that, Acts 5 9. The Spirit exposes deceit. The Spirit doesn't support any form of ungodliness. The Spirit exposes ungodliness. Luke 12 12. The Spirit teaches us God's Word. The Spirit reminds us in critical moments of God's truth, right? When we're upset, the Spirit reminds us to trust the Lord in those moments. Not what our flesh wants, but what the Lord wants for us. John 14, 26, the Spirit is called our comforter. When we are faced with fear, the Spirit comes in and reminds us not to be afraid. Romans 16, the Spirit rages from the grave. The Spirit didn't leave Jesus' body to decay, but it raised him up along with the Godhead. So if you notice, everything I've described, what the Spirit led us to, led to do, it always came back to honor the glory of the God. If the Spirit is working in you, you're going to love your neighbor. If the Spirit is working on you, husband, you're going to love your wife. You're going to speak to her with grace. You're going to build her up. And wives, if the Spirit is working in you, you are happily to serve your husband. You, you are happily to, 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 to be able to, to, to love those around you. We have, in our day, have minimized the Spirit to only worship on Sunday and putting our hands up, hallelujah. We have limited the Spirit and the work of for people just saying, what well, God has done into my life, and let me thank Him for that. One thing about being a believer, by putting your faith in Christ, there are never a time that you would never have the Holy Spirit again. The Holy Spirit will reside in you at every nanosecond of your life. The Holy Spirit will be with you. So if the Holy Spirit is in you, every moment of our life should be devoted for worship. It should be led by the Spirit. Again, if the Spirit leads the believer, the believer life looks like the Spirit. 
And Paul is saying all this, going back to Romans 7, when Paul was talking about the life of the Christian, and the more he wanted to do good, he's doing bad, things of like that, and say, well, who can separate me? Nobody can separate from God, right? He's going to be in Christ. But Paul now want to clarify to them as though is that even though Christ has secured you and saved you, on the other side of this is that you're going to live for Christ. Your life is going to mirror Christ's life at every moment of your life. It's not a such thing you say is that I believe in Christ, I profess Christ, but I'm not going to live like him. I'm not going to live for him. Well, I can live I'm in the way I want to live. I can just go to heaven. There were many in Christ's day that said they believed, but they just didn't believe. And John 2, when Jesus done his first miracle, after that, many people start following him. Many Judaizers start following him. Many people start coming to him. And he stopped performing miracles because he said for them, he knew their heart, so he didn't trust himself to them. There's going to be many people in our day that say they believe in Christ, but they truly don't believe. But there's going to be many people that do believe. And how do we know they believe? Because they're walking in repentance. They're walking in grace. They're walking in these things. And I'm going to say this right here is that this is not a comparison thing either. God has drawn all of us that are believers on, on his timing. So sanctification looks different for all of us in this room. Sanctification looks all of us look different. But all of, them, all of us are the same that are believers in Christ. God is making us more like himself. That should be all of us that are believing in Christ. So believers are truly following after the Spirit. Another instance here was in James 2. You all remember the text when the demon said, well, they believe in God. They know it's for God. Even the demons, the devil knows it's a God, but the devil's not submitting. The devil is a rebellion. So God is real. And the demons even know God is real. But the demons in the hostility in their hard heart, they're not submitting to God. Even creation, right? Even looking at the trees, the sun, the, the whole world is showing out there is a God. So there is no excuse. The only people that are believing, right, people that are not believing, is that there is a God because the heart is of their hearts. But for believers, they're God after the Spirit. They're led by the Spirit. And they're walking in humility every single day, and they're trusting in the Spirit. But not only that, the second point here. The believers are sons of God. Look at the rest of verse 14. Are sons of God. I lean towards the King James translation, but just, just about all manuscripts are the same on this. The King James version says, For as many as led, are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. The ESV says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Even though the ESV does not have they, it is still implying the same thing here. The KJV don't want to assume, but it want to be clear. But want to be clear about the Greek word, 
or toy. Who toys? This is a plural demonstrative pronoun. It can even be better literal translated as them are sons of God. Them are sons of God. But in our English, we translate it as they. So the sons of God in our text are the same one that we've been hearing about this entire chapter. They're led by the spirit. Are not walking in the flesh. They are justified. So this type of son of God is all believing in Christ. Everyone is not this type of son of God. But the son of God in our text right here is referring to those that are believers. He's a special son of God are these believers that are in Christ. So for those that are, aren't special sons of God are those that are living in the flesh. They're living in the flesh. It says in Romans 8, verse 5 through 8, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Look at verse 6. For to set their mind on the flesh is death. Look at verse 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Verse 8. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 13. For if you live according to flesh, you will die. Paul is making this thing that those who are living in the flesh doesn't get the special calling as being sons of God. They are enemies to God. They are war to God. But for believers, we are sons of God. A special calling that we get the privilege of being part of God's special family. This is Paul now going back to assurance. He is letting us know that nothing would never make you not a son of God anymore. You will always be a child of God. So no matter what you're going through, your circumstances doesn't change who you're a son or daughter of. Regardless. Jacob, you're a son to Mr. Tyler. No matter how many times, you know, you have messed up some wood cutting, no matter how many times you didn't hit that bus, or no matter how many times you have, you know, got beat by your brother in basketball and, and everything else growing up, you're still the son of Mr. Tyler. In the same way as Christians, no matter how many times we fail, right? He doesn't throw us away as children of God. He comes as a gentle father. He comes as a loving father. He comes in and he restores with his grace. So Paul is letting us know that we are a child of God. So those that are believers, they are truly children of the Most High. Because Christ has secured our deception by his crucifixion, we get to be called sons and children of God for eternity. I know you have heard so many things about sons of God throughout the Bible. But we have to remember context here. I know some of y'all minds start going over. I thought sons of God were angels. So I thought it was this. The context here in verses Romans 8, 14 is different from other passages of Son of God. For example, Job 
1 6 and Job 38 7 refer to sons of God as being angels. Another passage is Psalm 82 6 and 7, Malachi 2 10, Luke 3 38, which lets us know that mankind is considered child and sons of God. All humanity. Right? We all are created by God. Unbelievers, believers, we all are considered sons and children of God in a general sense. Because God has created everyone on earth. But the context today in our text refers to as sons of God specifically are for those that are believers in Jesus. So when you look back over scriptures, you might see the word son of God often. Even Jesus, right, is called the son of God. We're not Jesus. But in this context, son of God are referring to those that are led by the spirit. So Christians here today, as we get ready to end. Paul gives us exactly what we need as struggling Christians. A struggling Christian gives us what we need. We need to be reminded of what Christ has done. We're reminded of the great truths of who we are in Christ. What does it do for us? It helps us walk into that identity, walk in that identity. It helps us walk in the truths. It helps us submit to the Lord every single day. We hear so much about America being a Christian nation. What if America, right? What if everybody, if it's Christian, if everybody's a Christian, what if everybody walked in the Spirit? Oh, what if everybody was led by the Spirit? Poverty and um, murder and killing, everything will go away. Because we'll love those are our neighbors. We'll love those that are difficult. We'll be there with them. They'll be able to move in with them. We better love them. I mean, what if we were led by the Spirit, the whole of America, everything we brought together? But let's just know though, that everybody's not led by the Spirit. Everybody are not true believers. Everybody's not these special calling the sons of God. But for us as believers that are united in Christ, family, this is who we are in Christ. We are believers, and we walk into those great truths. Let me end with a couple applications here. Think about these things. What is life like for you being led by the Spirit? Don't look around. Don't look around. Don't look around. Just think about this for yourself. What is life like for you being led by the Spirit? Remember, the law is fulfilled now to those that are God by the Spirit. Christ ultimately fulfilled the law to justify us. He met all, he met all the demands of the law. But we are still called to walk, walk in accordance to God's word. So for us as believers, we are the ones led by the Spirit. So the law is honored to us daily because the Spirit led us to the truth. So again, what is life like for you being led by the Spirit? When we're not around, when your friends are not around, your spouse is not around, what is life like you led by the Spirit? If you're led by the Spirit, at every single moment you're going to honor the Lord. So think about that. 
The second thing I want you to consider, for those that see that life has been hard to under, under the Lord, be encouraged that the Lord, that the flesh will be put away forever one day. One day this old flesh will be put away forever. But right now, we get a taste of that day to come because the spirit dwells in us. And the spirit will never condemn us. So trust in the spirit, not the flesh. You are not indebted to the flesh, but indebted to Christ. So don't buy into the law of the devil that you have to give in to this. I believe we don't. We can fight our flesh every single day, but one day is going to come. What I talked about with Brother Hatcher about, one day is going to come that we're going to get our new bodies. We're going to get our new bodies. It's going to be with our new spirit. Last thing I want to say here, how are you planning on cherishing God, cherishing going forward that you are a son of God? How are you planning on cherishing going forward that you are a son of child of God? I would encourage you to remind yourself who your father is. Your father is the creator. And everything that's in your life that's trying to point you away from him being a creator and what his son has done, done, family, we should let it go. Anything that doesn't point us to Jesus, we should let it go. And I'm not saying that, I mean, a lot of things in life are good. I love sports. A lot of people love making shirts and or messing up shirts. I mean, making shirts. Um, a lot of people like doing various different things, different hobbies in life fishing and different things. Nothing wrong with those things. But we should be honoring the Lord as we do those things. When we're not honoring the Lord when we do those things, now we have turned those things into idol. So a true son of God eagerly is ready to honor the Lord in all the things in life. So let it be us. Let it be us. And for those that are here, like Chris, I don't know what you're talking about today. I don't know what you're talking about within the spirit or led by the spirit. For those that are kind of not understanding what I mentioned today is that uh, for, for you that, that might be lost here today, I would say that uh, uh, we have sinned against God. You have sinned against God and that you cannot save yourself, that your, your, your judgment is on your own hands, that God is going to punish all sin, that God is perfect and righteous in all his ways. He's a holy God that sin cannot be in his presence, that any sin will be destroyed by him. And so for you that are walking in sin, if you don't turn to repentance and put your faith in Jesus, he will punish you forevermore. But the Bible says in Hebrews that today is the day of salvation. And so you, you can turn to Jesus and put your faith in Jesus. So pray to Jesus to, to turn your heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Cry out to Jesus to save you this day. Our God is mighty to save. Our God saves. And may he be merciful and save you this day. And as he saved, he saved you this day. Let us rejoice that our God is still bringing tribes and nations to himself. Amen, amen. Let me pray for us. Our Father God, Lord, we...